Hello, and welcome to the Public School Matters podcast presented by the North Carolina Association of School Administrators. I'm Katherine Joyce, NCASA's Executive Director, and joining me as she does each week is Legal Affairs and Policy Manager Elizabeth Yelverton. Together, we talk about legislative and policy news affecting our public schools. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. This week, we are honored to be joined by another Catherine, State Superintendent of Public Instruction, Catherine Truitt. By way of introduction, our State Superintendent is elected by voters across the state of North Carolina to lead our state's public school system, and she heads up the Department of Public Instruction. Superintendent Truitt took office in January 2021, right in the heart of the COVID-19 pandemic, and she is now one and a half years into her four-year term. So welcome, Superintendent Truitt, and thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you, Catherine. I am really excited to be with everyone. We um, are really excited to have you with us at at this time of the year. And, And just thinking about that, this is an opportune time of the year to be talking with of you as our state superintendent, because our schools are just wrapping up the 2021-2022 school year. And so in thinking about that, Superintendent Truett, how do um, you feel about this past school year and what were some of the biggest challenges you think our schools faced? Well, I think back to last fall and uh, remember that there was still a question about whether or not schools were going to stay open. There was still some uncertainty as to the various variants of uh, the COVID-19 virus um, and what would be happening with masks, et cetera. And I think that when I, when I think back to the, to those early days, um, I I think we all started the school year with a little bit of trepidation. Um, You know, how many teachers would come back? How many students would come back? Um, There's also been a lot of talk around this kind of what what does it mean to have a return to normalcy? Um, Do we what do we mean when we say we just want things to get back to normal? Because there are lots of us saying, well, we can't go back to normal. And the the pandemic is an opportunity for us to do things differently. And so I think the question in those first few months was how do we move from this idea of wanting to use the pandemic as an opportunity to do things differently, but at the same time, those in the trenches were um, really ready for things to quote unquote, go back to normal. So I I think we've made it through the year successfully. Um, We know that uh, looking at our data for the first year of the pandemic, that teacher mobility and attrition were, were largely stable. And we're looking forward to learning more about um, teacher attrition and mobility in the second year of the pandemic in the coming months. You're absolutely right, Superintendent Truitt. And a sense of normalcy is something that we all hope to see for our schools and for our state um, in general. And this indeed has been a trying year for schools. In fact, the last two years have been trying. and yes. we. We really, really hope that um, that the year ahead is going to be much easier, both for students, educators, and for our school leaders in, in our schools across the state. 
Just in thinking about as we're wrapping up the year, we also, Superintendent Truitt, are seeing that our General Assembly appears to be uh, winding down for the 2022 short session. So I'm wondering, what is your take on some of the K-12 issues that the General Assembly has taken up this year? And then what specific priorities are you encouraging lawmakers to address in 22-23? Well, I yeah, that's a great question. I, I've been um, really interested in <laughs> whether or not the General Assembly will keep its promise of a short, short session. Um, it, it appears so far that, that they are. One thing I will say is that we certainly hope that legislators are going to keep the promise of a two and a half percent pay raise for teachers and that there will be more on top of that. Um, I think that there is um, a case to be made that there need to be of course, the normal step increases. There also needs to be um, a an, uh, an increase that addresses inflation for state employees and for teachers. And um, we we are really focused right now on getting um, a major increase in teacher pay in front of legislators in the long session through the current draft of the. Um, Um, pathways to excellence work, which will change the way we both license and compensate teachers. And this new pay plan will raise starting teacher pay to $46,000 prior to any local supplement. So um, we we are, it's going to be a very expensive plan. um, And we're just hoping that legislators will listen to it with an open mind. Thank you for mentioning that, Superintendent Truett, and and that's one of the things that I I know a lot of our listeners out there, teachers and others, there have been some questions and and even some teachers raising concern that that proposed uh, new compensation and licensure model for teachers, they're they're really not sure how they're going to fare in that. um, as as we move toward implementation of it. So I know that you personally have been very committed to this plan. And can you talk a bit about why you think it's so important and, and why you are so committed to making this um, something that, that does happen in the next year or so? Yes, absolutely. So <clears throat> in my role as state superintendent, I sit on Pepsi, uh, the Professional Educator Preparation Standards Commission. And I am on one of the subcommittees. I'm on the the compensation committee. Um, uh, There are four subcommittees that are helping to um, work on this this draft plan uh, that will be presented to the state board for uh, a vote this fall. And then, of course, after the state board votes on it, it will, in January, go to the legislature um, in whatever form the 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 you know gets voted on by the by the state board of education, and so I've been paying particular attention to the um, compensation subcommittee part of of this work. One of the reasons that I'm so dedicated to this plan is because it's it is forward looking, and what I mean by that is I understand that that when teachers look at this, they of course need to know how it impacts them and their pay. That, that's absolutely fair and right. But the purpose of this plan is, is it, it, while it is partially to impact teacher pay now, 
It is also designed to attract future teachers to the profession. So I think of this legislation as kind of skating in front of the puck, if you will. And I say that because we know that one thing that millennials and Gen Z value is competition in the workplace, as well as um, a, a, a career ladder, opportunities for advancement. And teaching doesn't really offer a uh, an opportunity to compete for promotions, and it doesn't offer an opportunity to advance in um, within the profession unless you decide to leave the classroom and go into administration. We want for our our young people to see teaching as a viable career that offers opportunities for advancement that come with a higher price tag or, or a higher pay, I should say. And we also need to ensure that we do not have barriers to licensure in place that prevent um, diverse groups of people from going into the profession. So I think that's one of the reasons that I've been so committed to getting this right. We have been reaching out to hundreds of teachers to get their feedback as well as administrators. Um, so that we can, so, so that Pepsi can have as many different viewpoints as possible. And I'm really proud of the outreach that um, multiple groups have been committed to engaging in. So it really sounds like this teacher compensation and licensure model could be an overall major shift in how our teachers progress in their careers, as well as how they're compensated and how much they can earn in their lifetime. And, and certainly, I think we all want to coalesce around the goal of making the teaching profession a desirable career because our students need them. They, they need yes. the best and brightest in our classrooms. Yes, that's right. And and this this does do exactly what you just described. It it will allow for teachers to earn more over their lifetime. And you know, Catherine, I I hear from veteran teachers all the time who feel kind of shafted by all of the pay raises that early and mid-career teachers have gotten um over the last 12 to 15 years. And this pay plan in my mind stops the practice of expecting our veteran and career teachers to volunteer their time to have leadership roles in their building and in the district that they don't get paid for. This will allow for more experienced teachers to be teacher leaders in their district and in their buildings and get compensated for that. It's a lofty goal, and, and we're looking forward to collaborating with you on that work as it goes through all of its next steps. So um, thank you for sharing on that, Superintendent Truitt. I'm thinking that um, that is a big piece of work that will really pan out in 2023. And you, I know, and, and maybe many of our listeners know this as well, you have declared 2022 as the year of the workforce. Yes. Can you talk a bit about this priority for you in the department and a couple of maybe your other major priorities that you focused on since taking office as our state superintendent? Yes, absolutely. I think that so often in education, because of the way testing and accountability works in uh, particularly through in grades three through 10, and then um, after that, it becomes a race to the graduation stage that so much of education becomes about checking boxes. It, it, it's about um, 
um, looking for that participation rate for testing. It's about um, checking those boxes to make sure that all of the courses have been taken to get to, again, to that graduation stage. And I think so often we get wrapped it, wrapped up in, you know, the purpose of third grade is to get ready for fourth grade and the purpose of fifth grade is to get ready for sixth grade. When really the purpose of education in general should be to prepare students for the post-secondary plans of their choice. And any local superintendent will tell you that it's heartbreaking when you approach a, a newly graduated senior and um, you say, you know, what are you, what are your plans? What are you going to do now? And they shrug their shoulders and say, I don't know. Um, only a third of our students right now in North Carolina are getting any kind of credential of workplace value by the time they are 24 years old. And, and that to me says, well, gosh, what's, what's the purpose of that high school diploma then if our students are not able to go on and uh, attain um, credentials that prepare them for, for the workplace? whether that's a truck driving certificate a, a, uh, or, or a, a two-year degree or a four-year degree. And so I really want us to be more intentional in education about what we value when we assess students, what we value when we say, oh, this school earned a D or this school earned an A. What, what does that mean? Because currently all it means is that algorithm of 80% achievement, 20% growth. And there really just is so much more to what our schools are doing to create a quality education for students. But at the same time, I think that we're also um, um, don't have a system of education that is preparing students to be successful or preparing all students to be successful in the post-secondary plans of their choice. Teachers are working harder than ever before, and we're not seeing the results. And I think that it's led to incredible teacher frustration, which leads to principal frustration. And I think we're going to continue to see that, that vicious circle of teachers feeling frustrated um, and feeling pressured by their principals to um, focus on certain things that really don't benefit students in the end. So it's, it sounds to me like you're really focused on student outcomes, what happens to the individual student. And, and I know there's been some discussion in the department and something that you've led as a priority, focusing on developing a statewide portrait of a graduate. That's right. And that statewide portrait of a graduate um, is, is nearly complete. And it has been done in conjunction with thousands of people across the state who are not just educators, but also people from faith-based communities as well as employers, um, really looking and saying, what are the, the skills and dispositions that students should have in addition to academic requirements when they graduate from high school? So that we know that they're prepared to persist in whatever plans they choose so that they can be ultimately successful. It's all about student success, and that's as it should be. Absolutely. Well, Superintendent Truitt, as we wrap up our visit, and we know you have a crazy busy schedule, so we know you have other places to go and be for the rest of the day. Please talk a bit about what in public education keeps you up at night 
as well as what do you see in public education that gives you the most hope? So I'll, yeah, I'll start with the first one. I think what keeps me up at night right now is that is the disconnect between what we tell teachers they have to do in order to be compliant with our testing and accountability system versus what teachers and parents know their students need but can't get. And I, I, I say this without blame on any one group, um, but it's, it's definitely something that, that does keep me up at night because our students lose out in the end. We've got to reform our testing and accountability model. And I think that um, it has to be done in a way that is less about trying to um, hold teachers accountable for doing something or not doing something and do it more in a way that prioritizes student learning and outcomes. What gives me the most hope and what I'm really excited about right now, Catherine, is the fact that as of this summer, um, about 35,000 pre-K through fifth grade teachers and elementary um, administrators will have begun their letters training in the science of reading. Um, I've had an incredible number of teachers tell me that this is the best professional development they've ever had. I've actually done the administrator training myself, and it was absolutely incredible. It's very well done. It's a heavy lift for teachers to, to have to do this training. But honestly, I've had teachers come up to me with tears in their eyes and say, I, I wish I had known about this sooner. So I'm, we're already starting to see an uptick in individual counties that have been doing this for a little bit longer, um, really prioritizing direct instruction in phonics in those early grades. They are starting to see the fruits of their labor and kids are winning because of it. That's fantastic news. And I know um, the whole transition to science of reading was one of the first priorities you outlined when you, when you took office. And so yes, you're to be commended on that work and, and keep, keep the thank good you. work going. <laughs> thank you. So Superintendent Truitt, thank you for your time and your leadership. We really appreciate having you with us on the Public School Matters podcast. We hope our listeners today have learned something more about you and your priorities as you lead our state's public school system. And just know that we here at NCASA look forward to working with you more in the days ahead. And we welcome you back to this podcast anytime you have a minute and would like to join us. Well, thank you. And thank you, Catherine, and to your team for NCASA's advocacy on behalf of the adults who lead our public schools. Thank you so much. Thank you. And have a wonderful afternoon. You all as well. So, Elizabeth, wasn't it great having our state superintendent as the very first guest on our new podcast? It really was, Catherine, and it's been a busy year for public schools, so it was really interesting to hear from the superintendent about her goals for the work still ahead for our public schools. And there is definitely work still ahead for all of us as we try to make sure our public schools are the best they can be. But I'm thinking our listeners out there probably need to know how they can learn more about us and uh, receive our information. So, Elizabeth, can you tell us how to learn more about NCASA? 
Sure thing. So to learn more about NCASA, visit our website, ncasa.net, follow us on Twitter at NCASA Tweets, or reach out to the NCASA NCASA team directly by emailing info at ncasa.net. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again soon. You've been listening to Public School Matters with the North Carolina Association of School Administrators. To stay up to date on legislation and policy news affecting K-12 education, we hope you'll join us for future episodes and subscribe to this podcast. Thank you for helping us ensure that each public school in North Carolina matters.